Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm, servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of death, Neil Garfield. And hello, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Pay attention. Everyone either is or will be affected in important ways by the coronavirus. You or someone you know will be infected. Wear masks if you have them. Use disinfectant wipes if you go out. Wash your hands and face. Social distancing works to reduce the number and severity of cases. Unfortunately, the places that took these precautions less seriously will soon be suffering the worst outbreaks, the greatest economic slowdowns, and the greatest number of deaths. And for now, the reports indicate that is mostly happening in the southeast United States, which are now being projected by others to have will have the deepest recession in economic history or any history. Tonight we talk about the meaning of foreclosure moratorium and the meaning of forbearance and how the announcements you might have heard might be might not be as good as what you're being led to believe. But as I will point out, it gives you some real time to make things a whole lot better. That's what this show is about tonight, making things better. Some people are trying to say there won't be an increase in the number of attempted foreclosures. That's like saying you could drop a piano out of an airplane and it won't land anywhere. It just will. In just two weeks, this country has lost 10 million jobs a pace that far exceeds the 2008 recession taken as a whole and even the Great Depression. All things being equal, if people have no income, they won't be making mortgage payments or rent payments. The enormity of this crisis is not and cannot be met by standard stimulus packages from Washington. We must find another way, and that way, in my opinion, is to make things right. We all know the banks got away with murder in the 2008 crisis. Now it's coming back to haunt us again. This time, let's get it right. You can make things right for yourself and millions of other people while at the same time stimulating the economy in far greater ways than the emergency measures that are that have been or will be passed in Washington. 
Just as you can lower your risk to nearly zero by taking precautions against the coronavirus, you can take steps to protect yourself against the securitization virus. The securitization virus is just an illusion. And you can get rid of it if you commit yourself to doing away with the threat posed by Wall Street. You don't have to play their game. Don't take anything they say seriously. Don't take anything the foreclosure mill says seriously. And even the judge, who initially will be parroting their narrative, don't take that so seriously. That's why litigation is an adversary process. Each person gets to say their piece. And the one who says it best is the one that wins. And there's some easy way easy ways to say, say your piece and win. This pause that's happening with the lockdown of everybody, as bad as it is, and all of the nightmarish things that are about to happen in terms of the number of illnesses and death and problems with the economy, it's also a great opportunity to reassess where we are and how we've been conducting our daily business in this country. As Bill Padalo says in his blog post today, the ongoing use of false, forged, fabricated, backdated documents continues. Those documents that are appearing in non-judicial and judicial foreclosures do not, do not, do not memorialize any events in the real world. Documents lie. They falsely imply the existence of financial transactions and the documents contain intensely, very crafty and crafted wording to allow for deniability of liability if the chickens ever come home to roost. Read these documents carefully with the help of an attorney, and you will find that there is nobody home who is accountable. Nobody. Think about it for a moment. If it turns out you prove that the whole thing is, by that I mean a foreclosure, is a ruse, who are you going to sue or blame? The trustee of the so-called Remick Trust is going to say that it was only acting in a representative capacity and not on its own behalf, and therefore they're not liable. If you somehow get a judgment against the implied trust by serving the trustee, you get nothing because there's nothing in the trust. You can't sue the certificate holders because they were never named individually, and the certificates make it clear that the investors have no interest in the loan. So then you go after the lawyers who are protected by something called litigation immunity. Or you go after the servicer who will say that they were getting all the information and instructions from the master servicer. So you go after the master servicer and it says it was only acting in accordance with its servicing contract as contained in the pooling and servicing agreement. And you go after the investment banks behind all this and find out that they're alleging that the statute of limitations has run, and now you're fighting to prove 
that you didn't know about the scheme when, in fact, most people do know that at least something was wrong. And that's why most homeowners lose. They go after the pieces instead of attacking the whole problem and its roots. The ones who persist in the belief that when pushed, nobody can come up with proof of any transaction where the debt was ever purchased by anyone, they win 65% of the time, for real. I have won cases with explicit rulings by the court about how everything presented to the court was just not credible and that the documents looked falsified and that there was no claim and that the trust had no loan. And dozens of other lawyers have gotten the same results. You don't hear about them because the the investment banks whip around through their intermediaries and offer some ridiculous settlement to the homeowner, which requires them and their attorney to never mention the case again. But there are two cases where that didn't happen that I can talk about and which I have talked about and which I've published on my blog. Neither moratorium nor forbearance will ever mean that you won't be subject to continuing false claims for collection, administration, and enforcement of a loan on which the underlying debt has already been paid off by the same process of securitization that the banks use to pretend that the debt still exists. I know that sounds like gibberish, but I'll show you in a minute how you can prove it. The banks pretend that the debt still exists and that their attorneys and servicers can still enforce. But the attorneys and the servicers all know that they are representing people who don't own the debt. They all know that they're doing the foreclosure for fun and profit, not to repay the debt. Because nobody, listen carefully, nobody on their own books and records, their accounting records, nobody, nobody is carrying your debt or the debt of your clients as an asset on their balance sheet. If they're not claiming they own it, they don't own it. They can't take the position in court that that they're, they own it by legal presumption when, in fact, they don't own it. And they're not saying they own it. Forbearance and moratoriums granted by such unauthorized and usually non-existent entities means nothing, just as their attempts to collect, administer, and enforce legally means nothing. They can switch parties. They designate parties. They designate who they're going to name as the claimant in a foreclosure. They designate who they're going to name as a servicer, even though they're not a servicer. 
and the claimant is not a claimant and it has no claim. They designate which securitization scheme they're going to claim actually is going to be used as part of the name of a claimant. So all their efforts mean legally mean nothing. But if you don't, this is procedure now, if you don't challenge them, then you're very likely to either buckle under pressure, leave your home voluntarily or involuntarily, or get involved in a fight for your life, your lifestyle and your property. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. This broadcast is brought to you courtesy of contributions from listeners just like you, except, of course, for the bank representatives assigned to listen to me. Please make a donation to the Living Lies blog at livinglies.me to support our efforts to help you help yourself. So now government and business and banks are announcing various efforts to stave off an economic collapse. Well, we're in the middle of a collapse, so they can't stave it off. Moratoriums have been announced. Forbearance programs have been announced with little details as to how these programs will impact the average homeowner or renter. Publix just announced that it won't charge rent to business tenants and shopping centers that Publix owns. But as usual, the devil is in the details. Delaying foreclosure when it shouldn't have happened in the first place is not the answer. By accepting the delay, you may inadvertently be accepting the premise that these people had a right to delay it and therefore they had a right to bring it in the first place. They don't. We all know that the Lorraine Brown guilty plea to falsifying over one million documents led to a 50-state settlement which netted homeowners a $300 check but maintained the use of falsified documents. The incredible settlement, which obviously I opposed and many people do. She was the only one charged in a 50-state scheme, actually it was an international scheme, involving many thousands of officers, directors, managers, employees of companies, and departments all aimed at one goal, forcing the sale of homes so they could personally profit. Up till now, they've mostly gotten away with foreclosure schemes with the exception of a few thousand cases where they lost or had to settle and a few hundred thousand cases where they were forced to offer modification terms more beneficial to homeowners than they would have liked to do. Insiders in the modification process started virtual businesses for profit where fees were paid in order to guarantee a favorable modification. The entire process has been and continues to be a farce that unfortunately the courts and the legislatures and the executive branches of government take seriously. Rahm Emanuel, former chief of staff to President Obama, said that every crisis should also be taken as an opportunity. This is our opportunity. This is your opportunity to get things right so we come back stronger instead of weaker from this ordeal, which is just starting. Make no mistake about it. 
we've got months to go of some really painful times. The last time in 2008, we only got it partly right. But that seemed like enough to allow us to grow again, despite being kneecapped by most of the world's largest financial institutions. Those institutions have enough money parked away in offshore investments to weather the coming storm, even if it lasts for years. They made trillions of dollars defrauding investors and cheating homeowners out of their homes, their lives, their livelihoods. Nearly all of it is ill-gotten gains obtained through false pretenses, fraud, and written contracts that were entirely based upon violation of express law and public policy. We live in a consumer-driven economy. If consumers have no money to spend, then we don't have a consumer-driven economy. If consumers have no money to spend, there is no economy. This is fact, not opinion. There is no other way to look at it. And for a change, everybody across all political spectrums agrees now. For many decades now, our public policy has been on a collision course with the economy. Instead of assuring that consumers have enough money to spend in the economy through higher wages and minimum wages, we have pursued, as a country, we have pursued a course that stagnated wages and replaced the absence of earned money with debt. Any eight-year-old can tell you what would happen. Eventually, people won't be able to even pay debt, much less pay for goods and services, rent, food, and mortgage payments. Everyone suddenly agrees that money needs to be pumped into the hands of consumers so that they will spend and keep the economy afloat. I would ask, how are they going to pay? How are they going to spend? If there are no stores open, that's another story. Consumer budgets, though, include a significant percentage of income devoted solely to debt service. And in the case of credit cards and mortgage transactions, the debt ceases to exist as soon as investment banks start making claims of securitization. The reason is that the funding source are the investors who expressly purchase a certificate that excludes any right, title, or interest in any debt, note, or mortgage. Contrary to political pundits recognizing that simple fact, we'll do nothing to undermine the financial system. We have 7,000 banks in this country. The fact that five will have to forego some extra income does not raise my sense of compassion. Doing this only reduces the amount of future income to the banks. It accomplishes what everyone in government agrees is what is needed, an immediate infusion of both confidence and capital to people who have been kept down by low wages and high debt. The delivery mechanism for this part of the recovery is not in waiting for some bureaucrat to stick his neck out or waiting for congresspersons or the president to do something. The delivery mechanism for this part, in my opinion, is you.
I've seen it done. I see it being successful. The delivery mechanism is you. A moratorium only means that those who would file a claim against you cannot do so until the moratorium is over. In most cases, the existing orders on moratorium are over in less than 60 days. Maybe they'll be extended, maybe they won't. But when the moratorium is over, first of all, they're going to say you owe that much more money in interest and fees and whatever else. And second of all, they're going to go ahead with the foreclosure even though they don't have a claim, even though you don't owe them any money. And even in a court of equity, it's difficult to see how you would owe anyone because they got paid off 12 times over. But you can bet that the securities brokerage firms on Wall Street and that call themselves investment banks and the companies that call themselves services servicers are going to press forward with foreclosures as soon as they can because the proceeds of foreclosure are pure profit fees revenue. Nobody, nobody gets the money to pay down a debt because nobody is holding a debt on its books of account as an asset. So there is nothing to offset the proceeds of all forced sales of property in securitization schemes all goes to people who are only after profit. They are not after restitution for an unpaid debt. Your ultimate weapon is to ask the right question at the right time in the right way. Don't wait for the judge to say that they that he or she wants to know. And don't wait for the judge to be on your side. Stop making footprints in the sand, same as they do when they send you these letters and notices and correspond and so forth. That's what you should be doing, documenting your way to the point where when you confront them, they've got nowhere to turn. Forbearance might turn out to be worse than the moratorium for those who are already not paying on a debt that no longer exists. Forbearance only creates a lag between now and when the payments are going to be demanded. The money they say you owe is not being forgiven. Forgiveness of a loan is an entirely different thing. Forbearance only means delay. And in some cases, it's as simple as, okay, don't make any payments for the next two months, but when the two months is over, you owe us three payments. Here again, like moratorium, the offers of moratorium come from the banks that's like ice in the winter. They never had the right to collect in the first place. So this is the time that you start asking questions. How? First, you start sending qualified written requests that are well-worded, and you get help in writing those so you don't come off like a ranting conspiracy theorist. And you send debt validation letters. And after the response, you file a complaint. <clears throat> 
with the CFPB. And if a lot of you do that in volume and you file a complaint with your state attorney general in volume, it will start turning the corner. You wouldn't file a complaint, of course, if the response was, okay, you got us. We don't own your debt. Nobody is showing your debt on their books as an asset or anything else. Not likely. There's too much profit in lying about it. The lies are generally believed by everyone who hears them unless they understand investment banking and how the risk of loss is illegally eliminated in the way securitization has been practiced. There is nothing legally wrong with securitization in theory. Nothing. It's the way capital markets have operated for hundreds of years. This is the time to ask the most simple and basic questions without fear that you're going to look stupid. I give you my word that in virtually all securitization schemes, they will not be able to answer the simplest, most basic questions. They will evade. They will put up objections. They will do anything, but they will not answer. If you don't force them to answer by getting an order of the court and then force sanctions upon them for violating discovery orders from the court and then get an order, motion in limine, to prohibit them from offering evidence of ownership or authority over the debt, they could still win. You have to do all those things procedurally, but if you do, you are very likely to win. And therefore, you will create a reckoning with homeowners generally, as well as yourself. When a lot of homeowners do the right thing, the right thing will happen. This is a time for getting things right. The question of who is carrying my debt on their books of account as an asset, the answer is nobody, if there's a securitization scheme involved. Start creating footprints where you can show the judge in the future that you tried to settle the simple question, but you were stonewalled and misdirected. And remember, there's not a statute of limitations on a claim that does not exist. But a claim that does not exist can be made to look like it exists, especially if you help it along by failing to challenge it. Which all brings me to the way to make things right. The banks will hate it along with the politicians who support the banks because the banks support the politicians. It's really simple. Don't allow foreclosure to anyone who cannot prove by clear and convincing evidence that they suffered an actual economic loss rather than a presumed one. This will stop foreclosure dead in its tracks, and the law already exists to do that. But you have to insist on it and persuade the judge to apply it. This would give a respite to all homeowners, not just those who can't make payments. As the truth becomes accepted reality, people will start realizing that their loan, the receipt of, of the money for their loan was actually a payment to them as a cost of doing business, the business of issuing multiple layers of securities where the loan data was sold an average of 12 times and the debt was never sold. That's hard to imagine. But the simple question is, show me the ownership of the debt. Show me the entry on your books and the transaction that supports it, 
that shows you purchased this debt. They don't have it. And if you press the point and you do it in the right time and in the right way, you will win. Those who would seek to get paid on what looked like a debt at origination of loan documents would need to negotiate with homeowners and disclose exactly how much money they really made off of the signature of the homeowner and the sale of the homeowner's financial reputation if they want to enter into those negotiations. But they can't foreclose. In the end, this will lead to vast reductions or elimination of principal due. But that will also lead to a complete reassessment of the value of derivatives that were issued on transactions that were falsely labeled as loans. So use this time for the fight. Do what you can for yourself and the rest of homeowners. Maybe other classes of renters and consumers will follow suit, and we can break the yoke of bank control over our lives and our futures. Thank you, and good night. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.